Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This is not about selecting which message has been our favorite. This is not about selecting which night has been the best. But I'm telling you, the Word of God has been such a sure foundation in every one of these services. I would not dare want to at all, at all, at all, degrade one in lieu of the other because they have all been so powerful. Amen. And I will tell you that um, by this revival's end, that there's going to be CD, a CD packet put together. Brother Donnie Osborne told me tonight before service, and so we can make this available to you to take home because I promise you this, there's no way that you get everything the first time around, second, third, or fourth, or fifth time around, but over and over and over again. And uh, so I just want you to put that in the back of your mind and uh, know that they're going to be available to us in, in a short order. Would you make welcome again our friend, Brother Stacy Thomas. Oh, come on, let's offer that to the Lord again. Amen. He's the one we're praising tonight. I, I just feel something stirring in my spirit. Amen. That's not rhetoric. I really feel something vibrating in my spirit tonight. Amen. I think we are a hair's breadth away from something loosening, a spirit of worship loosening within us. Amen. I'm not trying to prime you and get carried away tonight. I'm just telling you that the Holy Ghost is preparing our hearts and minds, amen, to receive the word of the Lord again. Amen. I was reminded, uh, Brother Boyd, as you made those statements about reflecting and uh, reminiscing and going back to the word of the Lord, I recall one minister telling us that we were sheep and that sheep were ruminants. Is that right, ruminants? Like, like a cow? When they, whatever they eat, they'll enjoy that again later on. That's kind of what we are. We're sheep, so we're ingesting the word of the Lord, so in, later on we can kind of get to ourselves and enjoy that. Chew on that some more. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I feel good in my spirit tonight. I, I tell you why, and, and, and I know you're standing, and I am too, so we're going to go into the word of the Lord, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I feel good tonight. It's just things have happened and just kind of confirmed in my spirit uh, what I feel like the Lord wants for this service. I've my, my thoughts have been directed into uh, another way uh, today, but just just prior to service. And uh, if, if you've, well, if you've preached, you know that almost scares you to death. And so uh, I took the little, the little stuff that I had there, my little thoughts, and uh, I just pitched them to the side and said, uh, let's just go in the direction that my, my mind is flowing. So... Um, if, if I'm acting nervous, it's because I am. <laughs> Mark chapter 8, I want to begin reading at Mark chapter 8. 
and verse number 22, Mark chapter 8, and verse number 22. Let me read here a few verses of scripture, and then, uh, and then we'll ask the Lord again to bless this, and, and uh, we'll be seated. And he come, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, I'm going to deal with the rest of that, but I want to stop there because I want our focus to be on this particular part of the verse. He takes the blind man by the hand and leads him out of town. Savior, thank you tonight for your spirit that is here in this place. You have made it so evident to us. God, I give praise to you for what you're going to do. I praise you in advance for what you're going to do tonight. God, I just trust that you're going to bring us by this word into a new place, into an area of your spirit that we've never been before. And we ask it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And everyone said amen. You can be seated. God bless you so much. I I know that a number of you are dealing with uh, uh, this pollen and stuff in the air, and uh, I can identify with that. Uh, so if you'll just bear with me, uh, I'll stop and swallow to keep from coughing. And uh, see how that just took off right then? About four of you coughed. <laughs> God bless you so much. I want to do something I haven't done in this Revival. I want to commend these folks up here. They're playing and singing, and uh, they're not entertaining us. They're entertaining the Lord. I tell you, I tell you why that means so much to me is because a lot of times um, folks will just put all of what they got into Sunday, and then whenever whenever Monday night comes around, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. It seems, it seems like there is a half-heartedness that goes forth in the singing and playing, but these folks have poured 100% into this every night of this revival, and I appreciate that. Uh, I remember one time my frustration got the best of me, and uh, I, I just turned to the, to the music guy, and, and not in a rebuking way, but in, in a sobering way. I said, can we just pretend it's Sunday if, if we could do that, I believe the Lord would show up. Amen. These folks haven't been pretending. They have been pouring their hearts into what they're doing. Amen. And I appreciate that. For what it's worth coming from me, I appreciate that. Amen. I, I want you to take a, take a look here. Uh, if, if you got your Bibles, you, you want to keep them open here. I want you to take a look here at what the Lord is uh, at what the Lord is doing whenever they bring this man that is blind to him and uh, they besought him to touch him. Uh, the Lord was, was, not, uh, was certainly not an, uh, a novice in what was going on. He was, he was very clear on everything that he'd done. And uh, that, that's why I find the Bible so interesting is because every word was inspired on purpose. Amen. And every act of Christ, everything that he'd done had intention and deliberation, everything. So if we will, 
if we will give the word its honor and sometimes just slow down and just look at it word for word, I think that God will open up to us uh, a whole new perspective on the scripture. I have, I have learned uh, just simply by observation that by and large, people will gravitate to people they are comfortable with. They will. Uh, I, I am more inclined to uh, gravitate to folks that, that uh, wear jeans and grill out in the backyard, and, and I'm sure most of you are that away. Uh, I would be more inclined to fellowship that than I would, uh, you know, say the Queen of England and her royal entourage came over. I would just feel out of place with that. Um, but any, <coughs> anyway, uh, I can appreciate both sides, but it's just who we gravitate to. Now, I'm going to be very frank with you. Uh, you're the kind of people that I just want to attach myself to. I'm comfortable around you. I'm comfortable in worship with you. And uh, I, I appreciate that in, in you. We are indeed uh, a family of Christ, a, a body of Christ. And, uh, and it's not just here, but I find that God's people, uh, for the most part, are that way wherever we go. Uh, there's just a kindred spirit about them that we want to gravitate to. I, I want to use for a thought uh, this evening that, that I feel as God had given to me just prior to service about the hand of understanding, the hand of understanding. Sister Donna, I don't know where you slipped off to, but you blessed me. Uh, that song that, that in the words just come out of that, I'm climbing up on the rough side of the mountain holding to God's powerful hand, there's something that, that will bring us from one place to another place in Christ. Amen. Uh, when, in, in, in as many of you were, whenever we came to Christ, uh, there was something about the goings-on and the constructs of the service of the Lord that intrigued us. And, and let me speak personally. Uh, I love the music and I love the playing and the singing and uh, the demonstrative worship that was going on and uh, the demonstration of the Holy Ghost when people were being prayed for and the preached word of the There was something about that that made me want to come back. However, there was still brother probably a part of me that I was uncomfortable with. I know it doesn't make sense unless you've been there. There was a part of me that wanted to get up and run out the back door, but then there was another part of me that wanted to run to the front and get involved with what was going on. And at the time, I really couldn't make sense of that. <clears throat> you know what, what I believe that, and uh, in, in, in the scripture caused him this, it's not just something that we've dubbed on folks, but when people lose the love of Christ in them and they lose the constraint of that love, and uh, they begin to wander back out into the beggarly elements of the world and dabble in sin that God pulled them out of uh, in their past years ago, maybe months ago, whatever the case was. The scripture refers to them as uh, backslidden. And in the Old Testament in particular, that word is, is uh, put on that individual that leaves God and walks away from God. And so we find those individuals still alive and well today, that at some time they were at the front of everything that was going on. Uh, perhaps they played, perhaps they sang, perhaps they preached, but 
sadly, at some point in the service, they were involved in that and then began to lose the zeal of what was going on in the service and gravitate back. So a lot of times, a lot of times, from a pastor's perspective, from a shepherd's perspective, and, uh, I, and, and I already mentioned that, I've been there, so God has enlightened me in that regard just by experience, if for no other reason, but I've noticed one of the primary indicators of a person beginning to leave Christ is losing their desire to be around the people of God. That that seems to be the first thing to go. Uh, they, they, they don't immediately go to the bars and they don't immediately begin to rob banks and stagecoaches. They begin to lose their love for being around the people of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> I want to prove this to you by the scripture. Not only by observation, but I want to validate it by the word of God. Paul wrote to Timothy in his second epistle to him. And he tells him in the closing of that epistle, in chapter 4, the last chapter, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And we oftentimes stop there when we're quoting that. But Demas didn't just leave the preacher. He didn't just cut off his connection with the Apostle Paul. But Paul makes a note of something here in that same verse. He says he has, uh, the, he has forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Now Demas didn't go back to Thessalonica because that's where Mammal lived. And Mammal made good cookies. He didn't go back to Thessalonica because that's where his high school buddies were and uh, he just wanted to visit with them again. He went back to Thessalonica because his spirit had regressed to the point that now he's feeling comfortable around the men of Thessalonica. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you something else about the people of Thessalonica. In Acts chapter 17, this one little uh, story in the book of Acts tells us volumes about the character of the Thessalonican people, Thessalonian people. The scripture tells us in Acts chapter 17 that Paul had preached to them and now they are wanting to kill him. And so the brethren, Silas being a co-partner with him, uh, now the brethren are, are trying to protect and shield Paul and Silas because they had preached the word, they had stirred the world upside down, and now the men of Thessalonica is seeking their life, and so they slipped them out of town, and the Bible said that the brethren sent Paul and Silas to a town called Berea. Now the town of Berea, the scripture says, in this same chapter, this, the scripture says of these men in Berea that they were more noble than the men of Thessalonica because they gladly receive the word of the Lord and search those things daily whether they be so. And so now we are finding out the character of the men of Berea as opposed to the men of Thessalonica. And this is the town of Thessalonica that wanted to kill the preacher because they hated the preacher and they hated the message and they hated what he was trying to do for them. And so they sought to kill him. And these are the men that when Demas backslid is wanting to go back to. 
So grandma's old adage of birds of a feather flocking together really does stand true sometimes. I'm going to tell you about me. I'm glad to be where I am. And if you ever see me falling out of love with the church and falling out of love with it, I may still be on the front row and I may still have my hands up singing Amazing Grace, but when I slip out the side door and come in late and leave early every service after service, would you please come to me and say, Brother, we're praying for you. God, put a love back in your heart for the people of God. Put a love back in your spirit for the house of God to worship with the people of God. There is something about the church family needing one another. It is one hand grabbing hold to another hand, leading us to the same place. If you ever shake that hand of a brother off of you and off of your life and off of your spirit, my friend, you have just gravitated back to the men of Thessalonica that hates the message, hates the messenger, hates what it does, hates the change it brings about, hates the revelation that it gives. But God, let me fall in love with those men that are noble those men who love the word those men who search the scripture those men who love worship those men of Berea it is the hand of understanding there is a cliche that floats around the country where I'm from that says this, if you are going to be right with God in judgment, if you're going to stand before the Lord right with him, you will stand there with the fingerprints, the handprints of a man of God all over your soul. God stamp that on my spirit and remind me that I need the preacher in my life. I need the man of God in my life. I need the word of the Lord expelled it unto me. Let me love every service. Let me come every service with my hand up, not with a half heart, but with a whole heart, with all of my mind and all of my strength. Demas, there was something about you that gave it away when you departed from Paul. He already noticed that you loved this present world, but I believe more than that, he saw the uh, indication in Demas's heart that the people that he had gone back to fellowship with is now speaking volumes about the decadence of his spirit about the brokenness of his morals. He had seemingly thrown his compass down and stepped on it with the foot of corruption and now had no concern about the ministry. Some of the saddest stories I have ever heard in backsliding is when the spouses of ministry simply say, I can't live that way anymore. I was 27 before I got married. And uh, I, I remember saying, excuse me, I remember saying this before I got married, that I don't need, I don't need a woman to make my ministry. I have already been preaching and I'm established. But I don't need one that hates the ministry either. Now since then I have come to a great understanding that a man can do twice as much in the kingdom with a help me. I was just merely speaking out of ignorance to some degree 
but yet there was validity in what I was saying. I didn't need somebody to come into my life that was going to hate what I'm doing, that was going to despise the work of God, the work of the kingdom, wherever we go and whomever we preach to, God, let us love them and let us pray for them and let us attach ourselves to them and let us go hand in hand through this life together. I may be walking up the rough side of the mountain, Sister Donna, but God is holding our hand every step of the way it is the hand of understanding let me go back to my scripture reading can you imagine can you imagine bringing a need to Christ a need that is uh, it's dire as a man that needed to see now you got to understand in that day uh, not being able to see meant a lot more than it does in today's terms uh, he was left to simply being reduced to being on the street corner shaking cup. Uh, and, and, and should the church become established in his town, uh, the church began to care for the such like, the widows, the orphans, and these that couldn't care for themselves. And they began to help make their lives more productive than what they were. But by and large, these people were left to starve. And so they're bringing a need to Christ, this imperative. And, and, uh, and, 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 here, and here we find Jesus uh, not, not acting urgently to him, but just acting upon what the environment was. A businessman told me not too long ago, he said, never allow the urgent to supersede the important. You can think about that later. But I admire the discipline of Christ. He didn't act upon the urgent. He acted upon what was important. <clears throat> he took the man by the hand and led him out of the city of Bethsaida. Why did he do that? I'm glad you asked. I asked myself that earlier as the Lord began to unfold all of this to me. And I went back to Matthew chapter 11. I immediately began to search Bethsaida. What was it about Bethsaida that God had to get this man out of? What was it about the town that God said, I can't do this here? Now, I want you to re remember that Bethsaida was the hometown of at least three of the apostles. And Christ visited this town often. But on this particular occasion, I, I am of the opinion that God had come to the end of his suffering with them. The scripture says of Bethsaida in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20, then began he, Christ, to abrade. Uh, that word means to criticize. Then he began to criticize the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Can you imagine the frustration of Christ that after he had come robed in humanity and done all of the mighty works among them that he had done, and still they did not turn from their hypocrisy and turn from their sin, and they repented not, the Bible said. Therefore Jesus is left to say this of them in 21, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, and woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So this is the reason why Jesus begins to act on the important and not upon the urgent. Everybody else was urgent about the need, but God is saying this man needs a hand of understanding. 
He needs some understanding more than he needs to see. I'm not just conjuring up stuff to impress you with tonight. That's certainly not my purpose. And I want you to understand that when I'm done. But as, as, as Christ began to take this, let me, can I borrow you, young fellow? He took this man by the hand and he's taking them out of the city. And could you imagine everybody else looking on at this in confusion, saying, what, what, what is he doing? You got to understand the ministry of Christ a lot of times brought confusion to them. Matter of fact, thank you, from his birth, he was confusing people. Because the scripture tells us that Herod began to have all of the man children, all of the boys killed from two years old and under because he couldn't understand that there was a king coming and he felt his throne was threatened. He's not even a teenager and he's in the, he's in the temple impressing the teachers. He's confusing them. They're scratching their heads saying, where did this man get this wisdom and this understanding? Now he finds himself teaching to them and telling them who he is. They all gather up stones to stone him. And he says, hold it just a minute. Many good works have I done among you. Which of those good works do you stone me? They said, not for a good work do we stone you because you have made yourself, you being a man had made yourself God, we stone you. They were confused. He wasn't a man that made himself God. He was a God that made himself man. So over and over, he's confusing them. And again, his ministry is confusing them. He takes them. The spiritual always confuses the carnal. The Bible said the carnal mind is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. Amen. It is enmity against God. If we don't understand that blessed book that we call the Word of God, we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to find an altar and put our knees on it and say, God, give me understanding. Put the hand of understanding on my life. Just dismiss it all together because I don't understand it. Just throw it all out the door because I don't understand it. My friend, before we do something so carnal as to throw out the word of God or at least portions of the word of God because we don't understand them, can I tell you as this little hayseed wannabe preacher from Louisiana, whether we believe it or don't believe it, brother, it doesn't negate the word of God or validate the word of God. It'll stand by itself. It stands by itself. Believing the word of God does not enrich the word of God. Believing the scripture doesn't enrich God. It enriches us. And now he's got this man by the hand with his blinded eyes and a request from everybody around him <laughs> that you would put your hand on him and touch his eyes. And Jesus grabs the man by the hand and leads him out of town. And when he gets out of town, then this, the, 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 rest of this, the rest of this story seems to be for nothing else but to give understanding. He gets him out of town. And we know why he gets him out of Bethsaida is because the men of Bethsaida has become so carnal and calloused in their spirit they couldn't even repent. <clears throat> we were discussing the other day uh, the scripture about uh, uh, blaspheming the Holy Ghost and uh, not being able to have forgiveness for that. 
And uh, I, just can I just share with you my yeah. humble opinion about that? <clears throat> I do not believe that when a person blasphemes the Holy Ghost, that the blood of Christ is insufficient to forgive that sin. I believe when a person has regressed to the point of blaspheming the Holy Ghost, the reason he cannot get forgiveness for that sin is because his mind cannot conceive the error in what he's done. He can't even begin to ask for repentance. And the men of Bethsaida have seen miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And the Bible tells us the words of Christ that if those of Tyre and Sidon, those wicked cities, would have seen what you've seen and heard what you've heard, they would have sat in sackcloth and ashes and lamented and repented a long time ago. But I'm not even willing to show you a miracle today. I'm taking this man out of town. Friend, when we come to the place in our life when we are contented to hang around carnal people and small-minded people and we're not interested with the people of God, God said, I will take my miracle out of you and I'll take it somewhere and I'll give the miracle and show the miracle to somebody that'll appreciate it. Oh, hallelujah to God. Here we are, the man is... The man, the man is holding the hand of Christ. And Jesus spit on his eyes, the Bible said, and put his hands on him and asked him if you saw anything. Do you see anything? Now, you've got to understand, uh, I, I thank, thank God for my eyesight. Thank God of glory for my eyesight. I've never lived the life of those that cannot see. But I have watched them and they see things not with eyes like you and I see them. But brother Boyd, they see them with their hands. And now here is Christ touching this young man and ask him after he spit on his eyes, do you see anything? Oh, God, I feel like running right now. And the young man said, I see trees walking. They're men as trees. Now, in that day, I know I got you hanging on, but I'm trying to hold back because I feel like running. In that day, whenever they went out to harvest, they didn't just pick the weed out of the seed and put it in a, bucket they had a sickle and they cut it off at the ground and when they cut it off at the ground they would bundle it up and tie it together called a shock and they would put it on their shoulder and now what he's seeing with his eyes is what he has seen all of his life with his hands oh God help us when Jesus touched him the second time, it wasn't that he did an insufficient job the first time of giving him sight. I believe the spit and the touch of Christ the first time gave the man 20-20 vision. But when he touched him the second time, it was because the man just said, I see men as trees walking. So the second time, the hand of God gave the man understanding 
of what he was seeing now. Let me, let me tell you where we are. I went through all of that to tell you this. This is where we are. There are so many souls, and I venture to say there's one or two of us in here tonight that are willing to sit here having a touch of, of God on our life and we have seen the glory of God and there's something about this that we love and we still don't understand. There's something about when they lay hands and touch with oil. There's something about when they preach. Why do they get loud? My God, I want you to understand we don't do it like everybody else. God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, my people will not be like your people. My people will be separate than everything else. I will put a division between the people of Egypt and the people of Israel. We're not gonna preach it like everybody else preaches it. We're not going to pray like everybody else prays. We're not going to worship like everybody else worship. There's an air. There's an air about us. There's an air about us that says you've been touched the second time and you've got understanding of what's going on in revival. You've got understanding of what's happening when they're preaching and what's happening when they're singing. We're enjoying the presence of God and entertaining the God of Abraham and Isaac. There's an understanding that's going on right now. But too often, and I've seen them, I've seen them in the whole church. I, I, I've seen them when I pastored. I've seen them in churches that I've gone back to over and over and over again. They are contented with sitting on the fringes of everything, and God has touched their life and blessed their life, and they see what's going on. They got 20-20 vision, and there's, they know what's going on, but there's something that's lacking, and it's the second touch of God that gives them understanding. Jesus was so adamant about understanding that before, before we even get away from this story, Jesus gathers up his disciples and he brings them out into a place and he says this to them, can you tell me who I am? God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He was such in the vein of understanding that the very next verse the scripture said he come into Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Well, they say you're John the Baptist. They say you're Elias. They say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus just cut the nonsense and he said, but I want to know who you say I am. I want you to understand who I am. You've been with me, you've walked with me, you've heard me teach, you've heard me preach, you saw me raise the dead, you just saw me give sight to the blind, but I want you to know exactly who I am. Oh God, God grab us by the hand. Don't leave me where I'm at. Don't let me be a demon that loves the people of Thessalonica who have no understanding of who you are and who your messenger is and what his message is that he preaches. Oh, God. Oh, help us, God. I'm trying, I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. Let me, let me go to the book of Genesis. And I'm going to leave you this, well, just this one last thing the Lord has, has given to my, to my spirit this evening. Just I'm telling you just almost moments before the service. The book of Genesis chapter 19. 
it begins to tell us about when God sent his messengers to Sodom to bring his uh, to bring Lot and his wife and his two daughters out. And we come to the scripture reading here, the messengers of God are saying in verse 16, and while he, while Lot lingered, the men, the messengers of God, the angels of God, they laid hold upon his hand. They laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. You understand what I'm saying tonight? God has just sent an angel to Lot to get him away from the company that was corrupting him. The Bible said his soul was vexed every day by the filthy conversation of the wicked. And the angel of the Lord put his hand upon Lot and Miss Lot and Lot's daughters. And the Bible said that the Lord being merciful unto him and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And look what verse 18 says, Lot said unto them, Not so. They were so satisfied in Sodom that while the angel of God is pulling on them, God is saying, leave me alone and leave me here. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight, friend, you cannot be contented where you are. God, through this revival, God, through this man of God, has given you something called the hand of understanding to bring you out of where you are. He wants to touch you the second time. The first time was great. The first time it was awesome. The first time you saw like you've never seen in your life. But God wants to let you understand the dynamics of what's going on in this service and what's going on in this revival. This is not just a series of meetings. This is not a few songs and a little message and send us on home. This is God saying, I want to bring you to an area in the spirit that you've never been. Oh, God. Lot said, Lot, verse 18 says, Lot said, just leave me alone. Leave me right here. You know what his thinking was? In that same story, Lot said, if I go to the mountains, some evil will fall on me and I will die. Lot, what is it about this you're not getting? We have come to destroy this city. And God has been so merciful unto you to bring you out of this. And you are begging God to stay where you are because where I'm sending you seems like it's a place of danger and insecurity. He was lacking understanding in his spirit. Listen, I have, run, I have not run out of something to say. My spirit is heavy right now. We, Pastor, we get, we get wearied 
Because we, like the messengers of God, are putting our hands on them, dragging and pulling. And where we're trying to get them to seems like it's a place of danger. If I go there, I'll lose my husband. If I do what y'all, and I like your church, and I like just slipping in and kind of looking at everything. I like what I feel and the little touch, but if I get there, I'm going to lose friends in the world. Am I preaching okay tonight? If I get involved like you're asking me to get involved, people at work are going to laugh at me. They're going to mock me. My family members are going to pick on me, and I don't think I can stand that, friend. You can't stand where you are. It looks like, it looks like, Brother Bobby, if I come to the altar like, I, like you're asking me to do, then I'm going to lose everything in my little comfort zone out there. That the people of Thessalonica are going to look at me funny, and I just want to fit in with them. You see, friend, you can't fit in with Thessalonica and fit in with Berea at the same time. God put his hand on that man's hand and the first thing he did was take him out of the unbelievers, take him out of the critics, take them out of the gainsayers, take them out of the mockers. And yet the lots, and yet the lots that we preach to are saying just leave me right here. I need some help please. Friend, I believe the hand. I'm telling you, God moved on my spirit about an hour before service. And he said somebody needs the hand of understanding on their life to pull them out of where they are. God said for me to tell you it looks dangerous up there. It looks like a whole lifestyle change is going to be dangerous. We've become so satisfied even though we hated Sodom, Sodom was what we was comfortable with. It vexed his spirit and he still didn't want to leave. I'm telling you, there's folks that absolutely hate their life right now. But it would be like pulling a star out of heaven to get them in the altar. Brother boy, they're so sick of hell in their home. They're so sick of contention and coldness in their marriage. But you just as well to pull a star down as to get them in the altar. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to us tonight. God's trying to take you by the hand, ma'am. This is the only place you will be safe. He's trying to take you by the hand right now. Don't sit down on God. Don't withdraw your hand from God and say, leave me alone. Leave me right here. I don't want to go. My God, he was blind. He was left to starve to death. 
He would have been a fool to tell Christ, leave me alone. What are you doing? Get your hand off of me. Don't preach to me like that. Don't pray for me like that. I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not being too forward tonight. I'm just speaking to you out of the overflow of my spirit. God's trying to get you in a place. Are you sure you don't want to come? In case you've missed it, this is an altar call. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to come up here? Are you sure you're satisfied where you are? Would you please hear this preacher tonight? If I thought it would help, I'd crawl to you and beg you that where you are is the most unsafe place you can be. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.